Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash POS for a $1 per month trial. Pride Month is wrapping up this week. And like in past years, many companies have run promotions or created special designs for their products to show they stand in solidarity with the LGBTQ plus community. This year, though, the pushback from the right has felt a little different. Brands like Target and Kohl's, among a number of companies facing backlash, even threats against their employees for promotions and merchandise reaching out to the LGBTQ plus community. These social media-fueled boycotts are hitting some companies where it really hurts, the bottom line. Just look at Bud Light. Sales have been down ever since the beer maker partnered with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney for a single Instagram post back in April. Its parent company, Anheuser-Busch, is actually writing checks to distributors to make up for the lost business. Inclusion is good for business, and they know that. They're just trying to figure out how in the world do you navigate like Target or Bud Light when you have so many people online that are are demanding that you boycott a product simply (laughs) for being inclusive. Beyond beer boycotts, though, that intolerance has also appeared this year in state houses across the country in the form of a variety of anti-LGBTQ bills. And on top of all of that, all of those barriers to acceptance, advocates say it's important to remember so many people in the LGBTQ community are still not embraced by members of their own families. My guest this week is CNN's Adrian Broadus. She has the story of a Black trans woman her minister father, and why he decided to let love lead on his journey to accept her. From CNN, this is One Thing. I'm David Ryan. Adrian, we've seen a ton of anti-LGBTQ legislation be debated and in some cases passed in state houses all across the country this year. Can you like put this into perspective for us? What's going on here? Yeah, David, it's part of a larger trend of backlash against LGBTQ rights and progress. Now, keep in mind, the LGBT community has made some significant strides in recent years. We're talking about the legalization of same-sex marriage and increased visibility in the media and in politics. But there are still some people who are opposed to LGBTQ rights and equality. In the month of June, we heard President Biden speak out against this and even take steps to put in protections for LGBTQ rights. When a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, something is still very wrong in America. But one of the main drivers of this backlash is what many have called religious conservatism. And there are some people who view LGBTQ identities and relationships as immoral and sinful. So these groups and these interest groups are pushing for legislation that would quite frankly, allow for discrimination against LGBTQ people on the basis of their religious beliefs. And what does this legislation look like? Like, what are some of the concerns here that are at the root of some of these bills? We're talking about many bills targeting the LGBTQ plus community. They could become law across the U.S., and some of them already have. Today, I'm signing into law the Save Women's Sports Act. So think about it. So far, this legislative session, nearly 500 bills have been introduced. Really? And that's according to the ACLU. Some of these schools around the country, they want a second grader to choose pronouns 
uh, we are not competing in the pronoun sweepstakes in the state of Florida. Well, I strongly support state legislation, including as we did in Indiana, that, buy, that bans all gender transition chemical or surgical procedures for kids under the age of 18. But what if their parents support that? I hear you. But we've seen a big focus on trans issues and bans on gender-affirming care. This can include hormone therapy, in some cases surgery, and other medical interventions that really help align a person's physical body with their gender identity. Most people, before you're 18 years of age, there's a reason we got that cut off for all kinds of categories in our society. You just don't really know what you want in life. Some proponents of these bills argue that gender-affirming care is harmful to young people and that it can lead to irreversible changes that they may later regret. But medical experts and LGBTQ advocates argue that gender-affirming care is a crucial aspect when it comes to supporting transgender people. So that's what's happening at the macro level. But if you look at this through the lens of a family at the micro level, you can see the struggle. For example, we went to Indiana to meet the Johnson family. So whoever wants to start talking first can. And let's just begin with, we'll start with Kaya. And this is a Christian family. The father is a minister. And in our conversation with them, we see what they discovered when they decided, in their own words, to let love lead in accepting their trans daughter. Okay, so where does this story start then for the Johnson family? Well, let's start with Kaya Johnson, who now lives in Los Angeles, California. What's this over here, Kaya? All my trophies from winning Best Male Soloist when I was in high school. (laughs) What that voice sound like? Okay. Kaya shared with me that she suffered in silence for years, primarily fearing the backlash from her parents and other extended relatives. I was taught to that, you know, homosexuality is a bad thing. Um, You shouldn't do it. Keep in mind, I told you her father is an ordained Christian minister. And Kaya said, when I was a little boy, people would call me gay. I didn't even know what that was. I was just being myself. People were putting stuff, were putting these things on me, these labels on me that I didn't even know about. How did you come out to your parents? I really didn't like come out until I like moved to college. Obviously, you know, but me being a high Kaya school, struggled coming out because she said she put her parents before her own feelings. Her goal was to make them happy and, quote, not ruin the household. I've always been feminine as heck <laughs> as a child. I've just been fabulous my whole life. But um, I think it was when I was in high school, they like had a meeting with me. It was like, are you, are you gay? <laughs> it made it a moment and I got scared. I was like, no, but I am bisexual. We all come out as bisexual. And there was a time where Kaya identified as a gay man. But Kaya did not get the opportunity to tell her parents that she was transgender. She was actually outed by someone she knew. And she was outed as transgender on social media. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what happened, according to Kaya and her parents, this person told Kaya's mother. And then a month later, this person went online 
and spread the news that Kaya was transgender. And that's how Kaya's father, Ante Johnson, found out that his child was transgender. And so um, that moment was a challenge for us. And people were wanting me um, as a father to pivot with, you know, the pronouns and all that. And it's like, whoa, whoa, you know, I'm just learning this. I just, I just heard this. Oh, so she was already concerned enough about how her parents might feel about this. But then that choice was just taken out of her hands completely. Yes. And Kaya said she wasn't mentally ready to go public because in her mind, she was preparing to lose her parents because it had happened to all of her peers. Her fear was that they would disown her. And Kaya talks about struggling with thoughts of ending her own life. And for me, that's just not, that's a non-negotiable. I'm not going to lose my child because of, you know, these things. I I just refuse to do that. Um, The Lord spoke very audibly to me. uh, Until you got to let love lead. The parents say it's a non-negotiable when it comes to losing their child. And that's why we had this conversation. They wanted to talk about having honest conversations with your children and finding ways to navigate. So once she was outed, and this is all out there on the table, what does Kaya do next? Say hi, Mom. Hey, y'all. So uh, we're currently at the airport. Earlier this year, Kaya and her mom, Gina, traveled to South Korea for gender-affirming treatment. I'm about to get my FFS. The face is about to face. We're about to go to a brand new face in Korea. And um, I'm so nervous. We... Kaya went to South Korea for facial feminization surgery. Mommy, mommy, how do you like my results so far? I like the results. I just can't wait for it. You know, I can really see the swelling go down. The do swelling. I look? Do I look more like you? Yeah, your face is round, like me. And this was a big step for Kaya and her family. Her father Ante did not go. He wanted to go, but at the time. He and Kaya were not on speaking terms. When Kaya arrived back from South Korea, she asked, Dad, how do I look? And her father's response was simple. Said, you were beautiful before, you're beautiful now. Um, Love must start within, right? Because you can do all of this stuff on the outside and you will never catch up if you don't love yourself. And Kaya said that's something she has struggled with, loving herself. So love is really at the center of their struggle. They're all learning how to love. I, I remember Ante talking about Kaya teaching him. He said he thought he knew what love was, but Kaya has taught him how to reevaluate and reimagine love. Hmm. So where is her dad now on this journey. Yeah. So he's not at a point, at least not today, where he will call Kaya his daughter. Mm. Throughout our entire hour-long conversation, Ante referred to Kaya by her first name, my child, or my baby. 
Do you think you ever will call Kaya she or her or say my daughter? Uh, I'm not sure. Sometimes I slip up, um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Um, That's something that I'm I'm, I'm struggling with. This is something that's ongoing and it's still a struggle. When my baby and, and their friends come around me, I don't want them to say, man, you know, Mr. Johnson says he's a Christian. But when I'm around him, I don't feel it. But for him, it's a reflection of what would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? And that's what he's tried to do. Right. It's like his faith is one of the reasons for this struggle. But yet it can also be part of a possible solution. Exactly. You know, there's a difference between agreement and acceptance. And for me, nope, I don't agree. But yes, I do accept because that's my baby. What is the word? I'm starting to get like emotional. What I do think is not acceptable is when you choose not to love your child. All we want is the love. Mm. I'm not asking for your acceptance. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I mean, obviously this kind of story could be playing out in any number of living rooms across the country, but I'm I'm struck by the specifics that, that you've been outlining to me. A black family, the father is a minister, and we know that black trans women are especially at risk of violence. So why is this such an issue in this community? Do you get a sense that these conversations like the Johnson family are having, the journey that they've been on, that this kind of stuff just isn't happening? You know, honest and hard conversations like the Johnsons are having, it's still rare in many communities. Transphobia and homophobia is still prevalent in many parts of our society. And I can speak from my lived experience, David. I'm also the daughter of a Black Baptist pastor. Mm. We just didn't talk about it. Let me tell you something. Black trans women are dying. Our lives matter. Not killing us. How do we get those men to stop killing trans women of color? We are hunted. I know. I know. How do we do that? No, I, 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 I... You're right. And now here we are in 2023, Black trans women are at a higher risk of violence due to this intersection of racism and transphobia. And the combination of these factors, I believe, creates a unique and dangerous situation for our trans women. Adrian, thank you so much. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling you can call or text the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. We will put that number and some other global resources in our show notes. One Thing is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Aaron Mathewson, Paula Ortiz, and me, David Rind. Matt Dempsey is our production manager. Fez Jamil is our senior producer. Greg Peppers is our supervising producer. And Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. 
Thank you, as always, for listening. Be sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you like the show. And we'll be back next Sunday. Talk to you then.